Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Ovnio for Julio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Now, time for the podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Contrarians, Bono episode in the summer of Travolta, here today to cover Greece at long last. It seems like it's been way too long. We're almost, what, four years into this venture and we're just now getting to one of the all-time uh, touted, I would say, musicals. Some things take time, Alex. This I is mean, true. We didn't just jump into A Good Day to Die Hard. No. It, it took us a couple of years, I think. And, you know, I think it's at the right time of the summer of Travolta that we're jumping into Greece because we got the best, the worst all behind us. But, you know, when you think Travolta, I think most of the consensus is going to be Greece. Greece. Little children think Greece. Danny before, Zuko. Before they think Saturday Night Fever or... Vincent Vega. Yeah, no. Turl. <laughs> Definitely not Turl. <laughs> uh being at the bonus episode, Greece, we kind of bent our rules here. It's at 76% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, just enough to be fresh. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, usually on a normal episode, we wouldn't. It would be too low, even for a fresh movie. <laughs> even by our standards. Yes, but here, it's Travolta. Rules go out the window. Like, uh, like Mr. Scorpion says at some point in this movie, the only rule is there are no rules in the summer of Travolta. So if this is your first time tuning into The Contrarians, my name is Alex. I am joined by my counterpart, Julio, on the other side of the kitchen counter here as we record. Uh, after watching Grease, Julio, you said it had been several years. How are you feeling today? Uh, pretty much about the same as I did several years ago when I fully watched it for the first time. But, uh, but I mean, I will, I will tell you more Shocked about that. Shocked and appalled. <laughs> kind of like feeling disconnected. Uh, I... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's not in this movie. You know, like this movie is about a set of people, mm-hmm. and they're like the focus, the center of the universe. But I'm sure there's some students that are not part of that clique, yeah. and they're just watching it all happen and going like, "What the fuck is going on?" That's me. Yeah, like, you were I, part of the freaks and geeks crew that was made. Yes, counter suit yeah. to this. I, w- I was at the the other classroom. Yes, and we were just kind of like shocked that these people in their mid thirties were taking over our school. Uh, <laughs> But I, I'll, I'll give you more of that on, on Real Talk. Uh, I, I, I don't know about all that, though. That would mean you were the one non-white person in the school. That's true. So, uh, again, Greece, 76% here. Uh, if, again, if this is your first time tuning in to this uh, current arc we have is the summer of Travolta, where you guessed it. We're chronol- uh, chronicling the career, the long, tumultuous career of John Travolta. And uh, we settled on this for our bonus episode along the trek. Uh, we covered a previous musical in Hairspray. Um that one was a bit more wildly racist than this. Also much higher, 94%? Oh, it was it was up there. But given the 76%, you know, there's going to be the the lovers and the haters. What do you have for us in terms of lovers on this? Okay, the so Sandies. For fresh tomatoes, <laughs> the Sandies. Uh 
I have a, a few beautiful quotes, starting with a short one. Douglas Watt from New York Daily News simply says, it's a winner. Uh, Arthur Knight from The Hollywood Reporter says, what makes it work is its youthful vitality, the tremendous energy and imagination expended on its virtually wall-to-wall song and dance number. I call bullshit. Yeah. It, not wall to wall. I'm sorry, but there's there's the sports montage that takes up like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and there's long, long gaps in between musical numbers. Wall to wall is like something like Pink Floyd's The Wall or Rent. <laughs> uh, James or Rodin- Les Miserables. There you go, Les Mis. Uh, James Rodinelli from Real Views says Travolta is a riot alternately swaggering to prove his coolness and reaffirming his ability on the dance floor, the actor gives the kind of performance that's perfect for the role. Drew McGuinney of Hitfix says, I love the film's energy. I love the movie star charisma of John Travolta in the lead. I love the am I doing this right hesitancy of much of Olivia Newton-John's performance. I love the fact that the film is so unapologetically, and then it just trails off dot 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 <laughs> unapologetically what <laughs> tell us McQueenie. tell us that seemed that sounded like a, a like a back backhanded compliment to olivia john's performance mm-hmm. like he loves the quality of like what the fuck am i doing <laughs> uh Catherine Short from The Guardian says, There's a surprising strain of filth, too. This is much closer to Hairspray than High School Musical. The message is, burn rubber, have sex, strut about like a chicken. It's one that's hard to resist. I mean, I guess you can extrapolate that. Yeah. That's, that's Spoiler alert, that's what my Contrarian's Corner is going to be like. <laughs> um, Scott Weinberg from Apollo Guide says, If ever there were a critic-proof movie, a film effectively ingrained into the pop culture world, it's Grease. We shall prove you wrong. And finally, Ed Gonzalez from Slant Magazine says, As Blu-ray still remains largely the province of gamers and fanboys, I don't really see the point of even releasing Grease on the format at all. What? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what year this, this quote is from, but I guess once upon a time, Blu-ray was just exclusively for fanboys and gamers. That's uh, it must have been around the time of Tropic Thunder because remember that epic like we cut in on that rant that Jay Baruchel is going into about the difference between Blu-ray and HD DVD. I've forgotten about that already. Oh, okay, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. So before we launch into this, Julio, why don't you run down the rules of this podcast? <laughs> the rules of this podcast, even though in Greece there may be no rules. No, we have a few. So we're doing a fresh movie. That means that in Contrarian's Corner, the first half of the podcast, we are going to talk about it. Uh, as if it was a bad movie. And maybe it is. You'll find out how we really feel during the real talk part Basically of the Basically just arguing against the Rotten Tomatoes score. Yes. Uh, it's fresh, which means that we're going to talk about it like it's rotten. <laughs> and our personal feelings have no say in this first half of the show. I don't know, man. They, they may bleed <laughs> over. Uh, the summer of 1958, we begin the movie on the beach with our two main characters, Sandy, played by Olivia Newton-John, and, of course, Danny Zuko, played by John Travolta. Two young adults in love. Young adults is, I think, stressing, taxing the definition of the word there. Uh, but clearly, two people from two different sides of the world, just based on accents alone. Uh, but it's a summer uh, summer loving, as it were. And what what's the exchange? Are we ever going to see each other again? And then, oh, you're the Greece expert, but to my recollection, Travolta goes like, hey, no. (laughs) And then we get a cartoon opening, like a 
illustration, kind of like the Fat Albert type cartoons of the of the time period. They're thinking Mad Magazine. Yeah, that too. Even but, even their cartoon depictions look old. Travolta, especially. Like I was just waiting for the mirror that he's looking into, like <laughs> crack going up of it. Uh, but we get the opening track, the titular track of the soundtrack, Grease, which is the word. Have you heard? Uh, this takes us to the first day of school at Rydell High. Do we ever get context to where they are? I'm just assuming California. I think Travolta has in his contract that he has to be in California <laughs> in all his movies. Or post-apocalyptic Denver, Colorado. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think it ever says. Yeah, from context cues, I guess you could just the entitlement these young adults have is pretty Californian. Uh, we are shown our two main stables of the school, which are the T-Birds and the Pinks. The T-Birds uh, that I guess Danny's the leader of, Danny Zuko. I've always, always, like, I've, this is the, only the second time I've seen this movie in full. I've seen bits and pieces before, but I remember thinking that, yes, he was the leader until I watched the movie all the way through. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not sure. I mean, isn't Kaniki... Jeff Conaway stakes his claim for being the leader, I think. I mean, there is a moment in the movie where he dubs Travolta his second in command. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that means that he's the leader. Yeah. And then he squeezes his fingers ever so closely <laughs> together and Travolta starts suffocating. Uh, and then the Pinks, which are the female cast of the film, which consists of Rizzo, played by Stalker Channing, uh, Frenchie, Marty, and Jan. And then they bring, eventually, uh, the new girl at school... The new kid in town, uh, Sandy, Olivia Newton-John, into the fray. But we see right away this is a, a school of cliques, and uh, the elite run the school, so to speak. Also, the old people <laughs> r- rule the school. This is These are it, our 10th year seniors. Yes. I mean, it, uh, Rizzo, uh, she, she says something about this being their senior year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you're not kidding, because you all look like senior citizens at this point. <laughs> The Rizzo character had to repeat every grade. <laughs> All of them. I mean, every single cast member looks like they're in their thirties, and they probably Potsy or Putsy or whatever his name is. I think he, you know, he's like we late, all went to school 20s. with that guy that was balding a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. The one that's balding is uh, uh, Sunny. Sunny. Oh, okay. Sunny's like overweight, balding, and like old. painfully Italian. <laughs> Yes, he looks like he goes when to school he, to feed like his four kids. When you make Travolta's Italian look subtle, you know you know you're doing something proper there. The first day of school, it's announced that National Bandstand will be uh, live, emanating from Rydell High at the end of the school year, hosted by Vince Vontaine, uh, aka not Rex Manning, and uh, who did not, you, not Corny Collins. Corny Collins, yes. So it's a twofer. It's it's a disadvantage of going just going like the pinball way of going through Travolta's career like we're doing mm-hmm. where you know which is it our last bonus episode was hairspray that has uh high school kids that actually look like high school kids and uh a musical host non-white people it has non-white people <laughs> it has diversity even if it's for the purpose of a confused racist message <laughs> but uh it and then it has James Martin as Corny Collins, who does everything that I think this dude was supposed to do, but doesn't. <laughs> no. We'll get to Vince Fontaine, though, at the end of the school year. But that's kind of the carrot that's dangled in front of them. they got to be good, because that's what's coming. Uh, we get the famous Summer Lovin' song. It doesn't take long for us to break into song and dance here. Uh, you know, you would think sometime during the summer of love that they had 
Danny would have told Sandy where he lived. Except that I, I, I totally believe that he didn't because I don't think he told her a single tr- thing that was true. This is also a very good point. He just created this character in order to, to hook up with her. Mm-hmm. And that character clearly did not resemble real Travolta at all. No. So, yeah, he probably told her that he was from uh, from Colorado. <laughs> My friends call me Turo. (laughs) We get through the summer loving theme, and then it's painfully apparent that the Pinks are going to start fucking with Sandy because they find out that Danny Zuko was her summer love. So Rizzo, the clock starts, uh, the gears rather, start turning in her head. She's going to sabotage this any way she can. Uh, We have a pep rally for the Rydell Raiders, the football team. Uh, Basic high school pep rally. I believe there's a bonfire going on. But this is the point of this is the establishing shot of we learn who the bad guys are in the movie. Oh yeah, the Scorpions, which we don't know if they're from a rival school. They're uh, from Mortal Kombat. They, we don't really know where they come from. We do know that they are even older than. <laughs> Dude, the leader of the Scorpions, Leo. Yeah, he he looks like he's done some time. Yeah, he. He's had some city miles on him, and then he's got his three henchmen, which don't have any lines. They all look like Danzig uh, in the late seventies. But yeah, there's literally no no context given if they're from like a rival school or what the hell their problem is. They're just like local terrorists. They drive under, uh, you know, this this car that shoots fire from the back. It's got spikes on the hubcaps. Yeah, and then they just look at Kaneki and go, "Come here." <laughs> And they're always throwing beer cans and beer bottles out the windows at one another. That's like their uh, exchange. But the guy, he doesn't have any good lines here. He has a lot of good one-liners throughout the movie. But here, it's just kind of the establishing opening shot. It's like the teaser trailer for The Dark Knight Rises where Bane comes into focus. Uh, at this rally, because, you know, we just got, this happens right after Summer Loving, right? So you've seen Olivia and John saying about how amazing Travolta was and how in love with him she is and and of course they tease her hey you might see him again and she has no idea that they're in the same school right cut to the scorpions and then cut to sandy already flirting with some dude Mm -hmm. flirting with lorenzo lamas (laughs) actually (laughs) we found that out looking through mtv uh she already forgot about travolta she gave him a whole song 30 seconds ago and now she's moved on and she's I, I I can't connect emotionally mm-hmm. with this uh, with this love story when she isn't even connecting. No, and she's supposed to be the pure one. Travolta, yes. I understand he's a pig, but well, she's a, in America now, so she you know you got to start hoeing it up. That's oh, what she's learning from the pinks. And she's the, trying to fit in. Yeah, what you're saying. exactly. Uh, but this is where Stalker Channing Rizzo's uh, evil masterminding comes into play as she stages this reunion between Danny and uh, Sandy, and of course they they start going nuts. And uh, Danny gets really excited, and then his crew is looking at him. I guess this plays to your point of Kaniki being the ringleader, because he looks at him like, "What are you doing? No!" And then don't he- embarrass me, John. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like a Kylo Ren type of thing, just the, the head shake and look down upon. And Danny just completely starts no selling it and starts making an ass of himself and being really, really mean to Sandy. All the while, Rizzo. Um, Fucking Ed Harris in the moon, just watching all this transpire in front of her. Uh, in, in a movie, in a good movie, this is where it ends. Because Sandy is, goes, fuck you, which she does. Mm-hmm. And then she would just never come back. She would never talk to Travolta. She would just hook up with Lorenzo Lamas. And, and then Grease would be about her and Lorenzo Lamas, I guess. Or yes. about Travolta 
becoming a better person, but they would never hook up again because that that shit that he pulled is really bad. It is bad. Unforgivable. And of course, he's mad at Rizzo because of it. Right. Yeah. He doesn't accept his no. own guilt and, and what happened. Yeah, it's the broad's fault. <laughs> I gotta have to retire it. We've done the Travolta <laughs> no, voice too, too many times. Please don't. Our, At least one per, our, once per episode. Our faithful listeners are tired of it already. Um, they were tired of it at Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Peer Pressure Part 1 is what I have in my notes because the Pinks take uh, Sandy back to their slumber party and immediately they just start making her smoke cigarettes and drinking alcohol. And why does she go? I don't understand. They just, I mean. They were all laughing at her. Right. They were laughing. They said, They laughed up. at me, mama. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say, you know, at the end of Summer Loving, they didn't go, oh, well, let me tell you. He goes to school here. Yeah. Do you want to meet him? And No. Instead, they waited. Until Rizzo would say, I hit that. <laughs> yeah. He goes, they, they go to the most public scenario possible, and then they, uh, they unleash the news on her. So why is she hanging out with them still? I don't know, man. Even high schoolers Frenchie. are bitches. That is like a total high school scenario, despite the fact that they're all people clearly in their 30s. You know, uh, that that definitely is a high school type scenario to play out. Uh, she goes and hangs out with the Pinks, and again, you know, smoke up, life short. Here, have some booze. Uh, they're gonna pierce her ear, just turn her into something she's not. When she goes to the bathroom to, you know, collect herself, <laughs> they do this whole musical escape. number, like mocking her. Yeah, uh, and you know, I have to say, even though it looks like they should be having fun, I didn't feel it. I this movie kind of ruined the idea of girly sleepovers for me because mm-hmm. if you're a guy you grow up thinking oh it's gonna be like pillow fights and a lot of laughter and talking about boys and just no it's it, the it, they paint a picture the last thing i want to see is girls just infighting and being mean to each exactly. other exactly it's just body like, shaming each other hateful and and they're just like boozing it up but in, not in a sexy way no <laughs> just it's almost like seeing guys hang out yeah like, jan's like point? pounding a twinkie while she's drinking right from the bottle it's like ugh. yeah it's just dudes hanging out yeah only with way more wigs yeah i, I wonder they should have cut to uh, the guy's sleepover the the t-birds <laughs> And just have fucking they're, they're all imitating uh, Kaniki. He's in the bathroom taking a shit, and Travolta's got a blonde wig on. <laughs> oh, maybe Van Doren, stay away from me. This leads to the T Birds pulling up, basically catcalling at the women to come down. Where for art thou, Juliet type shit? Uh, Rizzo is the only one to give in because. I guess she's the promiscuous one of the group. She says she's going to get her kicks or licks, whatever it is, while she can. Is it is it implied, or was I reading too much into it, that that she's hooked up with Travolta before? It seemed like there was definitely some history there. There was some history, yeah. right? So now she's going from... from well, I guess she's she's climbing the ladder. She mm-hmm. went from the second-in-command to, to now Kaniki. Exactly. I mean, that's the natural chain of command. It's how it works. And then, actually, yeah. Cause you then, keep and, the bloodline within the family. Well, and then she goes from Kaniki to Scorpion, who's mm-hmm. even, like, higher up. Yeah. She was going to get to the coach eventually if the movie had, like, <laughs> kept going. If I knew more about uh, Game of Thrones, I'd be able to make some sort of allusion <laughs> to it right now. So she wants to hook up with Kaniki. Travolta just takes off on foot. He's just going to go off on his own, get some alone time, meditate. Kaniki kicks all of his boys out of the cards. Hit the pavement. Uh, and they deliver the line of when a when a guy chooses a chick over his friend, something's seriously wrong. Let's go get a slice of pizza. <laughs> and the pizza they get. 
I forgot the segue is right into hopelessly devoted to you. In the middle of a sleepover, Livy Newton John just comes down to Frenchie's front yard to stare into a wishing pond that well, Travolta surfaces in, she's wearing a blue bullied. cardigan. She's being bullied. So she's being she, pushed out of the room. She, she's just escaping. Can you imagine how much they would tease her if she started singing in there? So, no, she's like, I need, I need some privacy. Yeah, and she looks into the kiddie pool and sees Travolta. <laughs> in his blue cardigan, just marvelously smiling up. And as Julio said, a missed market would have been the merchandise for this would have been kiddie pools with Travolta's picture printed on the bottom. Just singing to it all night long. Uh, we get a graphic sex scene for a PG movie here of uh, Rizzo and Kanicki in the back of his car just kind of going at it. And then, again, talk about burning rubber. <laughs> this condom falls apart in his hands and she just says, just raw dog it, let's go for it. I It was, it was probably the most disappointing moment in the movie. Because, I mean, I don't care about Sandy. She she's proven that you know she's kind of an idiot, uh, and uh, Travolta, whatever you know, he's a pig. Uh, the only person here that seemed to have a lot of common sense was Rita. Mm-hmm. You know, she seemed like she wasn't putting up with any shit. She knew what was going on. She was fucking with people. After twenty she, years in the school system, she yeah, knows. She's figured it out. At least she acts her age. <laughs> Everybody else, especially Travolta's crew, yeah. they act like fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're. I was gonna say, I thought I was being pretty clever writing down that they look like the three Stooges. Yeah. You know, uh, the three guys that are not Kaniki or Travolta. Yeah. But then in the the pep rally, they, they like actually a, yeah. they do the the three, three Stooges, Stooges routine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I just I hate them so much. <laughs> uh, but. So, so Rizzo, I'm like, this is my character. I'm following her. I'm, I'm just, I'm behind her at least. But then we're like, what, twenty minutes, twenty five minutes into the movie, and she, she just doesn't care about unprotected sex mm-hmm. with this dude. That I mean, who knows what Kanik is carrying? And there. that car was a hunk of shit too. Who knows what's in that car? Yeah, I mean, have some self respect. That that was that was hugely disappointing. Leo Scorpion's back though. He backs his car into them, and. Uh, we get some sick burns exchanged here, <laughs> metaphorically. Uh, Jeff Conaway calls him Crater-Face. The whole place is a no-pocking spot, Crater-Face. And then uh, Leo tells him he'll give him 75 cents for the whole car, including the chick. And then cut to an amazing reaction shot from Sucker Channing. Yeah, like she does the perk up, like the bird. And uh, then he peels off, but we see the... I, I'm sorry, there is one non-white person in this movie. It's Cha-Cha Dingagorio. Well, I guess she's trying so hard to fit in. She, she but it's it's white. not explained if she's Italian or if she's Hispanic. So I mean, we're on the token. fence here. Token, yeah. But she's there. What's the first shot we get of her? And she's basically just this gorgeous. Um, I don't know. Is she supposed to be like a prostitute? I don't know what her. They, okay. So it's funny because they're old, old, right? They're all in their thirties. If if she was the only person that's in her thirties, then it would make sense. She's like the older girl, mm-hmm. right? But now she looks. Like a contemporary, so she looks young compared to Leo. <laughs> yes, as you said, Leo's kids were at the Rydell Junior High already. He goes there just to pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> this, of course, leads to what is probably the most famous musical number in the film. You think so? I think so. I think it's the most parodied, and uh, the arm motion, the up and down to yeah, the side. I, get, I guess I always think "Summer Loving" is the the. The Grease song because mm-hmm. that's the one that every karaoke uh, medley starts oh, with "Summer Loving." So, yes, so it's the worst. 
Usually people lose steam as the medley goes on, but they always start strong with Summer Loving. Yeah. So that's why I'm always thinking Summer Loving is the one. It's between that and Stan by Eminem and Dido. <laughs> but in a uh, hollowed out garage with, I guess, the shop teacher from the school. You don't get to see that until much later, though. Like the whole grease lining number happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, where are they getting the resources, the money? They've established that they're broke. Yeah, they they don't have they're not rich students or anything. So how are they remodeling this car? Well, this is all kind of a dream sequence, I do believe. Right, but 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 the I finished knew. grease lightning looks different than the car. But we it's see still here. a lot of work. But you know, the car we see here is the car at the end. Like really? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. not movie magic, but they really did it. The, that's the the car. You know, they show you how to build a car. <laughs> You just get a big shiny engine and just drop it in the car and it works. And make sure you're dancing yes. all around it. Uh, uh, dude, it, it's so ridiculous. That, that it's a I flying love... car, so I'm not going to question their mechanics. That's why it flies, because it was built with magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love Travolta. Obviously, we wouldn't be doing the Summer of Travolta if we didn't love him. But the way Grease Lighting starts, his voice... Hadromatic. Boy, and then, and, but he actually starts singing and he goes like really deep. It was like, that's not his voice. <laughs> Somebody dubbed for him for that first verse or something. It just, it seems super fake, like the car that they're building. <laughs> Grease Lightning. It could be the one. It's this plan they have to develop this ultimate car that'll take them to Thunder Road, bring them in all the money and all the women. You know, that ain't no <laughs> shit. We'll be getting lots of tit is a lyric from that song. <laughs> the PG movie. <laughs> exactly. But Grease Lightning is a figment of the imagination. It is a dream. And another dream that Danny has is to win back Sandy. And to do that, he figures out he has to become what he hates. He has to become a jock. He has to face the music. Much like Batman, he has to break his one rule to stop the Joker. This wouldn't be a musical if you didn't have that montage. And in this case, the montage is him going through different sports. Mm Mm-hmm. Failing Set to no music. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They forgot that that part in the edit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. this wall-to-wall musical uh, instead just drops the music just so we can have Travolta painfully failing at sports. Yeah, It made the, me uncomfortable. Because... It makes him look like a total fucking geek, man. <laughs> he doesn't even know how to play basketball or baseball. Or anything. He I mean, the wrestling, they put him on the wrestling team and they put him against this fucking Russian bear. That, that, that part's understandable. And then he cheap shots him and his coach is like, hey, good job. What's the first thing he does? Uh... Basketball. Okay, basketball. Yeah, it goes basketball, wrestling. Wrestling, Baseball, and then he tries to do running and hurdles. Right. And basically all uh, Sandy needs to see is one hurdle jumped, and that's not even a metaphor. (laughs) And she's just, you know, blasting out of her pants ready to take him back. She drops Lorenzo Lamas like a hot potato, and, uh, and then she's just back with Danny. She forgets about everything he did to her, how he lied, how he... He humiliated her in front of the entire school. Mm-hmm. Water under the bridge, because <laughs> yeah, he, he now he's grease under, under the, the lightning. <laughs> grease under the lightning. Travolta under the river. <laughs> uh, he's I mean, going down the river. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, that's all it takes. He, he doesn't even have to be a successful athlete. No, she actually takes pity on him because he misses one of the hurdles and falls in a really comedic fashion. Yeah. They, that's when they should have had the Three Stooges sound effects. <laughs> 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 
despite winning Sandy back, Danny is still struggling to maintain his cool persona so much so that he still is like ashamed to be with her and has to hide going out with her in public. And she either doesn't notice or she pretends that she doesn't notice because she. Well, and here the alternative is too painful. The vanity and also just the egotism of Danny is. It's clear his friends don't care because they're just like, hey, what's up? When they, like, why are you ignoring us type of thing? <laughs> they, and, they barely acknowledge that Sandy is there. And so it's basically him just you know, trying to not necessarily wallow in but uh, revel in the drama that, that's being cre- that he's creating his own drama. Yeah, everybody has their own drama. Nobody cares about Travolta's relationship. Well, speaking of everybody, this is the part of the movie where everyone starts pairing off. You have Kanicki and Rizzo, um, Sonny and Marty. Jan Which, and Putsy. Like how the She's Sonny, the hottest one. Too. I know. Yeah. How does Sonny, who's like the ugliest, the most the oldest, <laughs> the greasiest of the grease crew, how did he land Marty, who's the hottest? Oh yeah. I think Sonny's closer in age to the principal than <laughs> Marty. Although she does like old old guys. Yes, we find this out here a little bit later on. Okay, so now it all makes sense. But still, Sonny's sleazy and greasy and, you know... Has absolutely no redeeming qualities. No. He can't dance, he can't sing. He's Ken Marino in Wet Hot American Summer. He talks about sex so much that you know he hasn't had sex. When they're doing the Three Stooges routine, he's curly. He is, but without any of the charm. Right, he's curly, for, but from that uh, Three Stooges movie that the Ferrelli brothers did. Oh, uh... I don't even know who that was, but... Uh, Will Sasso. Oh, that was... Okay. I like Will Sasso. <laughs> I haven't even seen that movie. It's the Fairley Brothers also. You said Ferrellis. You're in such an Italian mood after watching this. Hey. hey. <laughs> and I guess the last couple is... Um, Jan and Potsy. Right. No. Well, who's... Uh, who's, who's, who's with Frenchie? The guy... Oh, with, the blonde guy. No, 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 the blonde guy's with Jan, the girl with the big teeth. Right. So then... The guy who looks like... Um, I don't know. He's real wiry and right, skinny. Right, right. He's probably the youngest of the crew. Yeah. By a couple of years. Clearly the most, uh, the easiest to forget. Let me see if I can get his name here real quick. Duty. Yes. There you go. So Duty doesn't quite pair off with Frenchie, but he's with her. When everybody pairs up, she's he's with her. But then at the end of the movie, when they're doing the, the last song, he's there with the dog. Mm-hmm. Frenchie did her own thing. Well, because that's the... Um, I guess one of the underwriting stories of the movie, and it really only comes up twice, is that Frenchie is going to beauty school. Uh, so she's not really around at the high school. So I think Duty's just trying to get what he can, and then if he can't, you know. What he can, when he can. Yeah. He's just very resentful of Sonny at this point in the film. Uh, but everyone takes off from the burger shop, the the Shake Shack, um, the In-N-Out, wherever the fuck they're eating. The Whataburger. Uh, the vastly superior version of In and Out, um, and my personal favorite musical number of the film, despite what it could have been way more of if it had gone correctly, uh, Beauty School Dropout, where uh, Frankie Avalon just kind of comes in and just shits on Frenchie for three minutes. Okay, so I I know this is sort of a uh, like a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know, like I've heard of the of the. People talk about beauty school dropout, and I was like, I've never heard that at karaoke. Karaoke, so I, I don't know, you know. And then I finally watched is that just the movie. What you base the opinions of this movie on is well, yeah, Greece yeah. is like how many how many times have you heard that song at karaoke? Okay, uh, never heard the Frenchie song, but I also know why because it it has no relevance in the movie. I mean, you. It's also very mean. Yeah, but I mean, so is Travolta to Olivia Newton-John. 
Yeah, but not ever in song. When it's in song, <laughs> it's way worse. I don't know. When he's talking about her in uh, Summer Loving, he's being pretty demeaning. But not to her face. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Frankie Avalon's just like nose to nose. Right, but I guess my point is, who cares? Like, Frenchie is this not even... Like, she's no Rizzo, right? So you have... Sandy is the, the, the protagonist, or one of the protagonists, and then Rizzo, Rizzo and Kaniki are the secondaries, right? And then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. It would be like like Sonny having a, a, a musical number, mm-hmm. or Marty, or whatever. It's like, who cares? You're, yeah. you're the background people, and then she she's given, you know, some really very important real estate in the movie. Yeah. She gets, like, a, her own musical number that most of the other characters don't. Like, Kaniki doesn't get a musical number. Yeah, no, I understand. He should have. I mean, he well, it was would, a broken condom. It would make a lot of car. sense. It, the the original idea had come to fruition of Elvis doing Beauty School Dropout. <laughs> I think then it would have made sense why this musical number happened. But Not they, to discredit Frankie Avalon, but yeah, yeah, just Elvis showing up. and <laughs> That would have been... But then, bloated Coke the, Elvis. Everybody would be singing that song at That's karaoke. That's true. And right? everyone would be doing terrible Elvis impressions. If it was Elvis, that, that scene would be regarded like fucking uh, Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> People would just always talk, oh, yeah, the wolf in Greece. <laughs> Rizzo, I guess, uh, out of an act of malice and retribution on her mind, shacks up with uh, Leo Scorpion. You, you know, you were talking for the, about the first act of the movie. Rizzo was your character. Now she's just not using her head at all. Oh, yeah, no, no. She's just off off the rails. And But that fits in with everything else in the movie. I mean, it's not like anybody's making any smart decisions. Mm-hmm. Even, okay, so we, we just had that Frenchy musical number, which yeah. is just basically her dropping out of beauty school, right, to go back to high school. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Okay, why? You already got into beauty school. You're already a step ahead from all your loser peers. Yeah. And now, no, she's just going to go back to hanging out with them because, what, because school's too hard? Frankie Avalon told her to. Oh, uh, well, there you go. So, you know, he did, said, you, you're shit at doing hair. You might as well get a high school diploma and flip burgers for a living. Did he also tell uh, Risa to hook up with the Scorpion That guy? was a deleted scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the rest of the song. Dude, that should have been, like, midpoint of the movie. It's just Frankie Avalon telling every single member of the cast what they're supposed to do. So he tells Kaniki, you need to fix your car. He tells Travolta, you need to get on track. Uh, it's just, like, basically... Six different versions of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> well, thanks, Frankie. <laughs> Ding! We go, like, seriously, like, a seamless transition of Rizzo taking off in uh, Leo's car with him. She brings Marty along to them coming into the, the dance. So we're already at the end of the school year. It's the National Bandstand with Vince Fontaine. And this literally takes up, I think, like 20 minutes of the movie. It's, it's like the end of uh, Hairspray. Yes. Only nowhere near as good. Uh, it's it's 99% extras dancing. So why would I care? I was looking for Kaniki. I was looking for Travolta, for Sandy, for Rizzo. You see them like every now and then. But mostly it's just a bunch of nobodies mm-hmm. dancing, taking up screen screen space. Vince Fontaine, nobody he is not. He does cut that epic promo to get the whole crowd all riled up before they go on TV. But it's a dance competition. If you get tapped on the shoulder, you're out. Um, so, I mean... it. It's understandable. It takes a while to weed out the the impurities of the school. Uh, it comes down to somehow they manipulate it to where Sonny... Would, okay, explain yeah. this to me. It looked to me like Travolta and Sandy were winning. Yes. And then one of Travolta's friends, Sonny, Sonny just grabs Sandy by the arm and 
pulls her out so that what's her name? Chacha Dinodorio. So, so the token can come in and finish the dance with Travolta. Why? Because you can't stop the beat. <laughs> okay. How did they not know? He should have gotten disqualified just on the basis of that. I mean, they have some rules. Unlike the race later down the bridge, mm -hmm. there are some very serious rules in this dance. There are. It, boy, girl only. Boy, girl only. White people only. <laughs> and I would imagine. Keep it classy. Keep it classy. And, and above all else, MAGA. <laughs> And no swapsies. You start with your partner, you end with your partner. Well, that's the one rule they didn't say. So, you uh, know, as far as the school's concerned and national band camp is concerned, getting that fucking Aussie out of there and an American in, <laughs> I, I think it works out best for everybody. But then, like I told you, the fucking spot of the whole movie is at the end, the climax of the dance number, or the conclusion, rather, when Vince Fontaine does that fucking front cartwheel into frame. Did you see that? I saw it. That dude was, like, easily in his 40s. That was impressive as shit. I mean, he, like, he was just a little older than the main cast. Yes. He, he was supposed to be Danny Zuko, but they're like, we need someone just about three years younger in appearance. We're going to give you that one stunt. You get that moment. No, after they told him he didn't get Zanny Zuko, he was like, all right, well, I'm going to steal this fucking movie. <laughs> but again, after all this, Sandy's just, oh, they're back together. Next scene. Everything's fine. Yeah, he, that's, so he went from humiliating her at the bonfire in front of the school. Now he's humiliated her in public television. Like, everybody, everybody was watching that show. Mm -hmm. I mean, you keep cutting to the cafeteria where all the, the waitresses are like, oh, there's Danny, there's Sandy. Yeah. So you know that the moment that Sandy was swapped by, Chacha Dingagorio. Chacha, you know, they went, where's Sandy? Oh, look, there's Chacha. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's embarrassing. And yet, next time we see them, she, she, she went to the movies with them. They're at the drive-in. They're at the drive-in. Watching Steve McQueen's seminal classic, The Blob. And it's just this elongated scene of Danny... I don't want to use the term date rape because that's not what he's doing, but he's he, being he's, very forceful with he, his intentions. He, he's trying to cop a feel. He is. And then when she catches him, he just kind of trying to tackles her and starts making out. And to her credit, she gets out and slams the door on his hand. Okay, if she hadn't already forgiven him twice, mm -hmm. I probably would have taken this more seriously. But I just knew she was coming back. Especially because, so at first she's, they're watching the movie, and she's a little mad at him. She's not really, she seems like she's in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. So then Travolta gives her a ring. Mm -hmm. And that melts her, and she's like, oh, you're great, you're the best, now this means that you, you respect me, and yeah. all the stuff. And then Travolta makes a face like, oh, I don't want to respect you. And then he just goes in for it and is rejected. He goes for the kill, and gets, then, gets the door slammed on his boner. Yes. I, I never knew if it was his hand or his wang that got the door slammed. I, it's pretty clear it's his, it's his boner. The he, way he sells it, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, ah. <laughs> this leads to a de dejected Travolta just kind of trailing off throughout the field at the drive-in and leads to, is it Oh Sandy? I can never remember the name of the song. It's called Oh Bathroom Break because it's just completely forgettable. Hey, it has the Let's All Go to the Lobby cartoon playing in the background, which you got to give some props to that. More interestingly is the demise of the Rizzo character. While all this is happening, we learn that she believes she's pregnant. And, and it spreads. The rumor spreads. Uh, to the, It's quick. a pretty good shot. It's a continuous shot of her walking along a series of cars as the game of telephone is continuing. And when she gets to her destination, words already made it back to her. Right. Kaneki confronts yeah. her. And probably the one moment in the movie that I felt was, I'm not going to say realistic, but that it hit me with true emotion is when Kaneki is basically offering to take help her with the baby. 
and uh, and Risa just goes, "Well, it's not yours." Yeah, basically, just like I want to own up to my mistakes. Hey, it's someone else's mistake. His name's Scorpion. <laughs> and yeah, Kaniki he hits her with a um, Humphrey Bogart esque. <laughs> Thanks a lot, kid. <laughs> the one, like the the only five seconds of acting that I bought from Jeff Conaway in this movie. But this leads to worst things I could do. The musical number that Rizzo gets. So, do you view this as pointless as Beauty School Dropout? No, 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 no. Rizzo has an arc that Frenchie doesn't have. Frenchie has like a digression, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you could you could remove the Frenchie stuff, and the movie still plays. Rizzo is in the movie enough that because yeah, Frenchie just ends up back at high school. Right. So she just goes in a big circle. Yeah, and it's not even explained how how. It seems like there was it was too easy for her to just get back and graduate with everybody else. Yes. A- again, we follow these children through their entire school year, and at no point do we see any sort of academia or any academic rules enforced. Like, like we mentioned, and uh, while we're watching the movie, we're like, they're just they're learning life lessons, mm-hmm. but not not actual like school subjects. They're going to the school of hard knocks. <laughs> yes. It's time for the ultimate showdown at Thunder Road. Grease Lightning is ready to roll. They're going to race Leo Scorpion in his Scorpion Mobile, all pimped out with its flames. Um, we go down to uh, look. I, that's obviously that um, set has been used multiple times in different movies. The it's in California somewhere. It's in GTA for Christ's sakes. I, why am I blanking on what the race where the where the race yeah. happens? Oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's probably in Phenomenon too. I mean, easily, yeah. It's where he gets hit in the head with the <laughs> bolt of lightning. Kanicki's supposed to race. He gets hit in the head himself with a car door. Uh, one of the T-Birds opens it, not paying attention, knocks him out. So Danny has to race for him. Because he's his second. Yes. Which, they make a big deal out of it. Put and, me in, coach. Right, but I thought, one, that he was already his second. And two, well, it's not like Kanicki has much of a choice. It's, it's either Travolta, his lieutenant, or one of the three Stooges. So... Why are you making such a big deal? Would have been a good, good twist in the at the ending there for Sonny to be the driver. <laughs> you want me to drive? <laughs> Danny wins. The crew celebrates. Sandy watches from afar on the side with the cold pavement pressing against her skirt. She realizes it's time for a change. Yeah, she she sees him celebrating. Sees him happy, victorious. And she decides it's time to shed her personality. She said goodbye to Sandra D. Oh yeah, no, abandon, abandon old Sandy and become, I guess, uh, a a true hot blooded American. Mm-hmm. Is that what happens? Oh yes, because <laughs> it's the last day of school in the post school carnival. Uh, Danny shows up in his Rydell High Letterman jacket. Uh, I feel like this was kind of like that scene in Five Hundred Days of Summer where it shows the reality versus expectation scene. <laughs> And he shows up, and he has one idea of what's going to happen. Um, but then Sandy just shows up, hot, yeah, so dressed the, to the nines in skin tight leather, right? So pants that she literally had to be sewn into. So the idea we were watching this movie with uh, my fiance, and and she was trying to tell us that they both they both sacrifice about the same. They both change in mm-hmm. order to arrive to this happy ending. And I just don't buy it. I mean, Travolta puts a jacket on. Mm-hmm. 
Sandy completely changes. Like it's like she went into a cocoon and came out as a new woman. Yeah. Her hair is different, her makeup is different, her clothing is different, and of course her attitude, her personality is different. Travolta acts the same. He just put a, a jacket on. Mm-hmm. So it it is very much not balanced. Yeah. It's unfair. Sandy It's the rice and cigarette. <laughs> He's he's tricked her into this. He he knew this all along. Yes, he knows that he's not going to be wearing that jacket anymore. No, <laughs> she's back. Yes, and she's and back she's the never way he going anywhere. Yes. And you will do what I say from this point forward. I've won. This leads to the the conclusion. This is our final. Uh, it's a kind of a medley of uh, you're the one that I want, and uh, we'll always be together. Um, You're the one that I want. The original title for it was originally uh, Tight Pants Are the Answer. (laughs) Yes. In this case, they are. And Travolta, we even get like an all-time Travolta sound drop here because we get a yow in the song. It's absolutely wonderful. But what the message of all this is saying is completely abandon your morals and your, your internal compass and become what you think everyone else wants you to be, and then people will accept you. Yeah. I mean, she seems happy. <laughs> at the end, yes, I, I don't know how. This is the problem because we never see her parents, so we don't know what the situation was. How did she end up here no. from Australia? She clearly has no friends. Because I was going to say, I wonder how her parents and friends feel about this. Her fiance Billy Zane is very angry about the turn of events. <laughs> uh, but uh, it just seems so surface level, which wouldn't be a problem if these were real high school kids. But because they're adults doing it, it just seems so wrong Mm -hmm. when you're in your 30s you shouldn't be going through this kind of stuff you should have already figured it out for yeah the fortunate ones of us have figured out most of these things by the time we reach that i mean i don't see you wearing tight pants for any girl yeah and she picked up smoking too yeah yeah but uh we'll always be together the whole rydell high takes us out here it's uh quite the to do it it makes no sense i Uh, don't understand that song and then the fucking, they have the car from the Grease Lightning video, and it fucking flies. It takes off into the sky, and Sandy turns back and waves goodbye. So, I guess that just, that's the filmmaker telling you, don't worry about it. It's li- they're literally <laughs> breaking the song they're singing. They won't always be together. They're in a flying car. They're leaving your asses behind. They're going to heaven. Yes, well. They were too good for, for Rydell. Or somewhere. Oh, yeah, I... I don't know. It's, I mean, I guess I'll give him props for acknowledging that this sort of story couldn't have happened in the real world. It would happen in the world of a flying car. Mm-hmm. But and the world where Sonny gets to shack up with Marty. With Marty, even at the end, dude, I thought that maybe it was like a mistake that they just happened to be like standing next to each other in mm-hmm. several shots. But at the very end, in the last song, uh, they're there. They're together when they're doing the cardboard things. Like Ghost Town with Ricky Gervais and Tia Leone. It's like go fuck yourself. <laughs> What's your secret? What do you have on her? Classic. Do you have anything else to add? Um, there's a lot of real talk that's already bled through. I don't want to. I don't want to let any more bleed through. Okay. Uh, before we actually go to real talk, so for this break, we have a promo from the IMDb Journey podcast, who's actually uh, one of my plugs. Uh, but yeah, we'll hear this, then we'll put in some sort of grease sound clip oh yeah uh, and then we'll get back with real talk if i have a suggestion it would probably be we'd just play beauty school dropout the entire thing yes 
the Elvis version. Oh God, yeah, we'll it's like just, uh, we'll just go into dark web and and find it. Fucking um, Sharon Tate movie we did, Valley of the Dolls. Uh, how uh, Judy Garland had already recorded her songs for that. God, if Elvis had already, <laughs> Chef's Kiss, <laughs> the ultimate Rydell High Elvis edition. Yes. <laughs> Hey, you. Yeah, you. What are you doing after you finish this great podcast you're listening to? Well, whatever it is, you're going to blow that off and listen to the IMDB Journey podcast instead, hosted by Daniel, that's me, and Dean, that's me. Join us on our journey as we tackle the IMDB Top 250 list, breaking down one movie a week, giving our own rankings as we go, as well as our incredibly intelligent and insightful thoughts too. (laughs) (laughs) We also throw in a random quiz or movie battle every once in a while and have a punt on it. Because us Aussies, we love a good punt. (gasps) Daniel, this is a G-rated promo. You can't say that. I said punt, Dean. Punt. You dickhead. So come join us on the journey by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast apps. And follow us on Twitter at IMDB Journey. And now back to your regular scheduled programming. Well, I've been getting a cold. Oh, no, no. It's just probably a little driving dust. That's all. Oh, Sandy. Daddy, what's it Oh, Sandy. Don't worry about it. Nobody's watching. Danny, get off me! Sandy, what's the matter with you? I, I thought I meant something to you. To you? You think I'm going to stay here with you in this, this sin wagon? You can take this piece of tin? Sandy, you just can't walk out of a drive-in. All right, now we're recording for Real Talk. Sorry. Real talk. <laughs> the second half of the show where we tell you how we really feel about the movie. And we start recording with me just chomping on gummies. Uh, yes, real talk. The It is in the title. And real talk here about Grease. Released June 16th, 1978. Budget of a modest $6 million for a box office return of just around $400 million. So did it to due diligence in the theater, I tell you what. <laughs> Uh, directed by uh, Randall Kle- uh, Kleiser, and screenplay. It was based on Grease, the musical Broadway show, which was far more racier than uh, the actual movie, if you can believe it or not. Oh, I believe it. I've I've seen it. Well, I haven't seen the play itself, but last year I think um, I want to say it was NBC, ABC. I don't know whoever's doing these uh, live. Broadway productions. Right, yeah. They did Grease, and I watched it. And not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I can tell you, I thought it was much better than the movie. Mm-hmm. Richard Kleiser, the director. Uh, the other two things that I were fans of that he did: uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. All right. Um, Fond memories. No, that movie's really bad. <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is great, but what he did apparently, and I'm reading here that it was uncredited. Was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, which was... The, are you familiar with oh, that? Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've been... That's one of the few Disney rides I've actually been in. Uh, yeah. You've got a ride... What do you call it? An uh, experience? It's like a live action attraction. Right. Live action, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no longer there. But I remember doing that when I was a little kid. Like, there's a mouse, and then they like, have the things <laughs> yeah. on the back of your legs, yep. and then water comes out and everything. So, uh, 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
easily one of the most beloved movies and something that Travolta will always, it, even if Pulp Fiction had never come out, he still would be writing Goodwill off of Greece. I mean, he'd still be getting employed. Because of Greece. Right. Maybe not the critical acclaim, but he would still, he would be Danny Zuko. He would be. Um, but you know what? There are people who don't like it. Oh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not alone. I know. I was going to say, I'm looking at one right now. Um, I'm going to do a few quotes from the rotten side of the tomato meter, starting with Brian McKay from eFilmCritic.com, who says, I didn't know that in the 1950s, high schools were populated by 30-year-olds constantly broke into nails on a blackboard musical numbers. Man after my own heart. Uh, Dave Kerr from the Chicago Reader says, Limp, cheaply made. Yeah, apparently that's what his wife says about his dick. Well done. Uh, ben Reynolds from Film 4 says, Travolta and Newton-John burn up the screen with all the passion of a potato salad while occasionally singing a song you know all the words to because they play it every week in small-town nightclubs. <laughs> Brutal. Oh, the passion of a potato salad. Excellent. Uh, Derek Malcolm from The Guardian says, A grave disappointment to anyone in search of style or substance. Judith Martin from the Washington Post says, Couldn't the makers of Greece have unearthed one person who was alive in that time, perhaps even one who attended an American high school then, and checked their information? She's afraid this wasn't a documentary. No. Uh, and Stanley Kaufman from the New Republic, he says, It has no kind of focus in atmosphere or tone. It doesn't even have a look. It's just sort of a floating insult, shopping for a subject to light on. Well, that's just wrong, but... <laughs> oh. <coughs> I have one more. John L. Wasserman from the San Francisco Chronicle says, The screenplay is a prepubescent shambles. The direction is by acne out of disposable douches. The dubbing and looping of the songs is painfully obvious. The characterizations are generally repulsive. And the whole thing... Dot, dot, dot. Another one? <laughs> another another <laughs> trail off? I, I just figure it had to be... Fair to McGuini and include uh, a quote that was just as long-winded as his. So to address the ages, Stalker Channing was the oldest in the film at 33. She's also, in my humble opinion, the highlight, the, the MVP of the movie. You don't think so? Why are you shaking your head? Everyone is the MVP of Greece. <laughs> Come on. Uh, the youngest was Lorenzo Lamas at 19. Travolta was 23 and Olivia Newton-John was 28. Um, it's, Travolta looked a bit older than 23 Yes, and Olivia and John looked like she was in her 30s I think part of it is just that Because they're trying to dress her as a younger person mm -hmm. It makes it even more noticeable yeah. that she's older And the makeup is also, I don't know eh. This was the third highest grossing movie of all time Behind Jaws and Star Wars when it came out uh, Henry Winkler turned down the role of Danny Zuko because he didn't want to be typecasted. So instead, he just took a hiatus from acting. <laughs> he did, but he came back with a serious vengeance and a little ditty called Here Comes the Boom. He he won several uh, uh, contrarian awards for Oh, yeah, that. He, was, he was in the conversation. Yeah, it was almost named The, the Winkler instead of The Embry. But... It was, uh, it's on his Wikipedia page now. <laughs> we should go on there and put that. People, what? Oh, yeah, and the other uh, trivia bit from the IMDb page that I thought was hilarious was the official premiere after party was at Studio 54. <laughs> no cocaine, no booze. Sure. No unprotected sex. Of course. Like and, yeah, the film was originally rated PG. The fuck? 
PG for uh, implication of raw dogging. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. Uh, violence language implication of raw dogging. <laughs> Greece, man. It's fucking great. How many times have you seen this movie, Alex? Dude, like I told you, my notes were minimal because I, I watched this so much when I was a kid. Um, again, one of those movies I think when my parents showed it to me had it like Saturday Night Fever we've talked about before. Uh-huh. Saturday Night Fever is different though because there's two versions of the film that were released. This is, I think, it's one of those things that's lighthearted and jovial, but like a lot of the lyrics to the songs and some of the contents, a bit like, hmm, probably not good for anyone. This is this is like this would define the rating PG thirteen. I would say about thirteen and up is when you're right. okay for this. Um, I've seen it a lot. It is flawed heavily, heavily, heavily. Yes, but so much fucking fun. They fly away in a car in the end. That, that's the least of its problems, although, I mean... There's I, the, the extra in there, the green shirt extra that we That guy's great. <laughs> Julio and I, he was our boy towards the end of the movie. Yeah, and the or last... I should say, by the end, he was our boy. <laughs> yeah. The the last number, the... Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? What's the name of the last The medley? Song? Well, I, there's the medley of uh, You're the One That I Want and uh, We'll Always Be Together. We'll Always Be Together. Because I don't think you really see him and You're the One That I Want. But I don't then, know, but yeah. As you're exiting the... He's front and center. Yeah, he's right there, and then you just can't miss him. But that so before right. we get into your critiques, let's just that closing scene. The we'll always be together. Having shot that one afternoon is pretty impressive. Uh, well, I mean, if I want to be an asshole, I could tell you like they probably rehearsed it for like a week, and mm-hmm. then they just have to shoot it real fast. But it's like the opening of um, the player. <laughs> Seventeen takes. Just keep going. <laughs> Green shirt, you're fucking up. <laughs> No, green shirt, I love you. Come to the front. You're in the front now. <laughs> uh, I don't... Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Just because I don't love it the way that people love it doesn't mean that I hate it. I no, just, I I'm, I'm just thoroughly underwhelmed. And there are things that bother me far more than it seems to bother other people. Like the fact that these people, that these characters, they just look so old. I just can't... I have a lot of trouble getting past how old they look. You saw this like you were already like semi-grown. You were like in your 20s, right, when you saw this? But I let me tell you, Alex, here's my grease story. Here's okay. where we, we, we flash back to my the origin of my <laughs> she hatred. She wasn't worth it. <laughs> uh, when I graduated high school, uh, like one of the big like activities, I don't know, we're putting like a show with like a lot of dance numbers and stuff. And so there was a Greece-inspired dance number that was set to the medley. So it was, uh, you're the one that I want, slash, we'll always be together. And I'd never seen Greece. I kind of knew the songs, I guess. But we were in a classroom watching that last part of the movie over and over. And then we went and, you know, we did the, the number. I actually, I, I bought a black leather jacket Amazing. For it. Uh, I still have it. Doesn't fit me anymore. Does it say but... the Jaybirds on the back? No, it was okay. just it just it was just black. Okay. But uh, you know, it was like a choreography we and it was just all done by students. So it's not like it was something super professional or slick looking or anything. And we danced and then the drama teacher at the end he was like You guys could have smiled more. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that uh watching that even back then, so I was fifteen even back then, watching the video, just like the last part of the movie, they look like adults to me. And I'm watching this as a high schooler, mm-hmm. and I'm not feeling represented. I didn't even realize, I think, that they were supposed to be high schoolers, mm-hmm. which 
makes the betrayal sting even more when I found out they were supposed to be high schoolers. Yeah. I mean, I guess they behave like high schoolers, like really dumb high schoolers, <laughs> uh, but they look like adults. And I just have such a hard time getting past that. Now, even if I were to get past that, uh, I think it's it's kind of clunky. I don't think it flows in the way that a musical like like Hairspray, which we just did, flows. Right here, most of the songs are pretty good, mm-hmm. like and really good. But I don't think they're staged. the writing in between them is just like yes, it drags. Like we have so many of these songs. Let's just figure out how to get to the next one quickly as possible. Yeah, and I think that one of the reasons it feels clunky though is having seen the the full version of the musical when they did it on TV. It still has some problems, mm-hmm. but but there's more meat. There's more you know tying everything together. There's more songs, obviously, too. And Frenchie's song doesn't feel like an outlier because I, yeah. I want to say that there's more songs for like the other characters that involve the other characters. So uh, it flows even better. Uh, but see, it's not that, oh, I watched the original version of the musical first, then I watched the movie, so the movie didn't live up to my expectations. It's like, I watched the movie, I didn't care for the movie, then I watched the original, and I was like, oh, this makes more sense. A bit more fleshed out. Uh, they had... Uh, Julianne Hugh playing Sandy. That's uh, right. Much, much, in my humble opinion, much, much better Sandy than Olivia Newton-John. We just lost half our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and they had Vanessa Hudgens playing uh, Rizzo. And I thought she was great. God bless. Uh, but even just from the mere fact that they look much younger. They mm-hmm. look, you know, not quite high school kids, but I can... I can work with this. Well, that Vanessa Hugh, or what's her name? Hutchins? Julianne Hugh. Oh, Julianne Hugh. She's supposed to be the next big musical girl with that Rock of Ages movie, but that thing tanked. Oh, dude, yeah, that movie sucks. That's what I heard. <laughs> but she's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I wish that there was more. To, I wish it was a wall-to-wall musical because the songs are the best part of it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, all its flaws... But when that movie's on, dude, like the fucking Born to Hand Jive musical sequence, despite the fact that what's happening doesn't make sense of like one woman getting ushered out and another one brought in. Oh, God, it's so fucking good. All like the dancing. You don't see dance numbers like that anymore, man. Yeah, you do. When? Corny Collins and uh, his people. You can't but stop still, the beat. That's just like fucking 10 people. This was like a fucking auditorium full of like fucking 30 and 40 people. And then, yeah, like Travolta. uh when they're doing the lasso bit towards the end, when it's like breaking down, oh man, so good. And um, then yeah, the um, we'll always be together. Choreography is just fucking fantastic. Uh, which one? So you said Grease Lightning is your favorite, or did you just say that was the most iconic? That, that, to me, that's the most well-known song from the movie. But your favorite is We'll Always Be Together. Just like because the oh I don't know, Born to Hand Jive is pretty good too. <laughs> um. I have the soundtrack on vinyl, and I always listen to the one side that has Sha Na Na, the band that plays at the National Bandstand, because uh-huh. they're good. Like, And they're, the songs they do, I really enjoy, too. Um, one thing I do want to touch on, we're kind of jumping around here. Um, yeah, the things you're pointing out are true. It's a movie that's been parodied for uh, 40 years now of the whole trope of having people in their 30s play high schoolers and things like that. That was a big problem with 90210, too. I mean, Luke Perry's a good-looking dude, but, like, I think the musical number's really good. They picked a good cast for it. It is peak Travolta. Yes, so so the Travolta factor in this movie, mm-hmm. off the charts. Yes. Right? I I think 
he i mean your fiance said he looked like a muppet and i could not see that for the yeah i mean but that's he still fares better than most i i mean dude like the performances it sounds mean but I, i mean i don't think that the acting is very good in this movie except for sucker channing who i think is fantastic and travolta does well right the thing that travolta has that nobody else has is that he's a good dancer like a really good dancer and he can sing and he can act. Yeah. Like most of the people in this movie can only do one of those things. Like Sucker Channing is great, but I don't think that she's a standout when it comes to, to either singing or dancing. No. Uh, Olivia Newton John can sing, but I mean, the dancing is just okay. And dude, the acting when she's not singing, yeah. I can't. But again, we're going back to you have a 30 year old trying to play like a really high school, like a really young high school girl, so that it's just hard to watch. To begin with, Kaniki, like Jeff Conaway, dude, I had a note here. I didn't get to squeeze it in on uh, Contrarian's Corner, but with his famous line, the whole like the, the hickey from Kaniki, yeah, it looks like he's having trouble remembering the line as he's delivering it, mm-hmm. which I don't think that's a choice that he made. I think that he was just, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Travolta, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. This more than probably any other movie he ever did, uh, and we've got plenty more left, and we've. You know, it's hard. It's getting repetitive talking about how it's clearly Travolta's talented. He was the last of a dying breed, if not the last of its kind, of that actor or actress that can do it all sing, dance, the Bing Crosby, or, uh, you know, uh, they name drop Rosemary Clooney in there. Like, that's an example of that. Like, I don't know. How's James Marsden's dancing? He didn't do too much dancing. <laughs> oh, he he was great. Yeah, was like, okay. I, for some reason they haven't capitalized on that aspect of his talent. But you know what I mean. We don't the see, Cyclops musical. We don't see too many actors like that anymore. Uh, JGL, I think that JGL's a throwback. He certainly yeah. is. Yeah, he he's really good at all that. And um, but that being said, it makes Travolta stand out over everyone else in this movie. Despite that, I agree with you. Stalker Channing's got some good moments of acting. It's just to me, well, not to me. It's universal. This is the the definitive Travolta vehicle. Like, here's my hot take. <laughs> Travolta is pretty good in Greece. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, the, just as a Travolta vehicle, fantastic. It's completely earned the praise that he gets for Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, now everything else is just a little shakier. He siphoned about. 10 seconds worth of grease into look who's talking to. <laughs> and when the movie was over, we were like, well, at least it had that 10 seconds. <laughs> yes. uh, to be fair, he gets more to do than Olivia Newton John. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I don't think we're above reproach by saying this movie's very male dominated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even Rizzo, who's supposed to be the strong female character, I guess, she's kind of. You know, she's just jumping from guy to guy. She allows herself to be used by men. Right. She's not... I. It, that's always bothered me, too. Um, it, Which, is, again, that's a woman's choice, but the movie demonizes her for it. Well, yeah, no, but I, I was going to say what's bother, what bothered me is uh, um, that her arc at the very end is just like, oh, just kidding, I wasn't pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know? It was like... I know, I know it's too much to ask for uh, her to you have are, an abortion. You are underselling that sequence because Jeff Conaway yells up, Hey, Rizzo, get off that thing. you got a condition. <laughs> right, but 
we don't even see her realize that she's not pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, we find out when she's telling Kaniki. Yeah. That's that is underselling it. Yeah. You know, that's I feel that her character was strong enough throughout the movie that at least they owed us a bigger ending to to that whole story. The, yeah. The smart people. Have you ever run a I still haven't oh, seen it. Yeah, there's a part of Sarah Jessica Parker sitting on the toilet looking at the pregnancy test going, shit. <laughs> and that's how the audience finds out. Uh, so, did you have something to throw in there on the Stalker Channing front? Anything to put a pin on it? Oh, how did that come about? What? The Stalker. Oh, no, no, because I was saying that uh, Sandy, she doesn't really get much to do. He just, she doesn't get as much development as Travolta does, right? So, all you see here in the movie is basically her being slighted by Travolta and then forgiving him. Mm-hmm. Rinse, repeat. So I remember when I was watching the the full musical, yeah. she actually, she goes on the cheerleader tryouts. So she has more to do other than being upset with Travolta, pining after Travolta. Yeah. So she actually has a whole musical number that's her proving that she's a really good cheerleader that I was, I'd forgotten that it wasn't in the movie. So when we're watching it here and it's just... Uh, she's just a cheerleader. She's just a cheerleader. Like that girl tells her, you should go to the tryouts. And then the next thing you see her, she's just she's just a cheerleader. And everybody's like, hey, you were awesome. Yeah. And you really, especially after having seen it, you really miss that moment of just showcasing her for being good. Travolta gets to be awesome driving the car and, and telling everybody how Grease Lightning is going to be in his mind. He gets to shine a lot more. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, it's still, it was an uphill battle. Because of the character she's asked to play, but mm-hmm. I think maybe Olivia Newton John, I would have liked her more if she had more to do. Yeah. Uh, and I could make the argument like I was kind of jesting in Contrarian's Corner, but the whole her selling out in the end one, if you're following her character arc, you know that's her destiny because she's just going to let anything go. And then two, yeah, they at least try to make up with it where like Travolta shows up with the, you know, he has the cure. But then it's not needed anyway. You know, yeah, it's the end of T three. <laughs> yeah, uh, the nuclear war has already been launched. Yeah, it, you can't stop what's o- coming. Operation Taipans has has been engaged, and there's no going back. Uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Maybe it would bother me more if I was more engaged with the movie all throughout, to mm-hmm. where that would feel like a stab in the back. Like, yeah. how dare you make Sandy sell out? It's like, yeah, but it certainly doesn't portray her character if you've been following the movie. Well, yeah, she's just such a wet blanket. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, at least now you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it does. I can totally see that reading, though, where... Okay, what you're telling little girls watching this movie is that if a guy doesn't like you and a guy keeps treating you like shit, well, maybe what you need is a makeover. It's your fault. <laughs> Try harder. In <laughs> uh, in I like I said in Contrarian's Corner, I disagree that that Travolta sacrifices or changes as much as she. Oh, does. dude, no, it's such like a um, a front, right? Like, yeah, he just. Puts on this jacket and it's all different now. And as soon as she comes back with the leather pants, he takes the jacket he off. He literally takes it off and throws it on the ground. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the meat and potatoes of this discussion. Because you said something while we were watching this that really troubled me to my core. Uh-huh. The Sonny character. Oh, I don't like him, dude. You, I hate him. You do not care for Sonny. Yeah, speaking of bad actors, I don't I don't think that guy is... I mean, Well, okay, so that's... It could be... Choose that, your words wisely here, partner. It could be that he is just an uh, a subpar performer that's doing the best he can, or a good actor that's just being poorly directed 
by Mr. Kleiser or mm-hmm. whatever his name was, right? I don't know. I haven't seen the behind the scenes to see to see how how that went down. I don't need to to know that he's fucking hilarious in one of the highlights of the movie. He is annoying. Talk about nails on a chalkboard. I mean, that's just dude. I I don't like the three of them together doing the Three Stooges routine. It's yeah. just annoying to begin with. But that guy in particular, uh, the way he talks, the way he let's go get a slice of pizza. Uh, <laughs> the the facial expressions he makes and i just i do resent him for hooking up with marty <laughs> oh man she's so hot but uh i'm not kidding he has my favorite line of the movie well i mean he can have the favorite letter uh, your favorite line of the movie that doesn't mean that he's a good actor or that he's good in the rest of the movie i st- i think he's really funny like he's the comic relief for me they're all the comic relief well him more so than all the other ones cuz he's, he's just annoying he's as the fuck. fogler <laughs> <laughs> he's dan fogler and take me home tonight no don't don't even <laughs> don't you dare don't you disparage the name of dan fogler no i um uh, yeah so so I mean, okay no coinc- so hang on, so on let's rank the t-birds right to me you have travolta at the very top mm-hmm. much much lower you have jeff conway, jeff conway. then um what was his name diddy Duty, 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 duty. Then the putsy, putsy, and then way <laughs> lower than that. Wide chasm, yeah. And then there's sunny. Uh, sunny. Well, I respectfully disagree. Okay. I mean, Travolta's head and shoulders above everyone else in this movie. So, okay, except for the green shirt extra. <laughs> uh, Mikey Travolta, my, <laughs> his cousin <laughs> that he flew in from Tupelo. Um, I don't know. Jeff Conaway, I remember thinking he was so cool when I was a little kid and then watching this and it's like, man, this and Taxi were clearly what defined him and he was like really going for it and that's admirable, but it's just like, it's not even that it doesn't age well. It's just, you have this fucking supernova of John Travolta that's just, everyone's going to look like shit in comparison and especially when you're not really good to begin with, it's going to be even more glaring. Yeah, and okay, so to be fair to the performances that most of them, like I said, I don't like, they they're very theatrical mm-hmm. and that's obviously what they were going for mm-hmm. and you just said you know some stuff doesn't age well and i don't think it ages well uh uh stucker channing is a fucking genius because she walks that line mm-hmm. where yeah she's theatrical but she still plays it down compared to everybody else so you watch in a contemporary setting and she still mostly comes across like a normal person or at least a believable person mm-hmm. um whereas Going back to Sonny, or even Kaniki, like Jeff Conaway, he he's just so over the top. And same problem, he has the same problem that uh, uh, Sandy does, where he is like a grown man trying to act like a teenager and mm-hmm. just looking ridiculous. And he comes off looking like a grown man trying to act like a teenager, exactly, yeah. which is just annoying as fuck. Not nearly Travolta, as bad as Leo the Scorpion. N- okay, that guy is just. <laughs> Uh, what's the line from uh, um, Forgetting Star Marshall when, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? What's the name? The main actor? in Jason Segel? Yeah, when Jason Segel is talking to Mila Kunis and she's talking about her ex. And he's like, oh, he's just a boy. Oh, and no. He, that guy is a man. That guy's a man. Yeah, Lou Scorpion. <laughs> that guy's a man. <laughs> he's an ex-con. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he not even, like... 
He's not even trying. I've watched pro wrestling my entire life, and I can't even stretch my imagination that far. Yeah, no, that guy is... Uh, I Clearly, they were casting for menace. They were not casting for youthful believability. He's got, like, that Lawrence Fishburne acne scar situation going on, and it's just like, bruh. You've, you've seen some life. <laughs> He's got his AR, AARP card next to his SAG card. Um, okay, so with that all being said... Where are we? This is our fifth, sixth Travolta? Uh, this is our sixth. Okay. Um, I'd probably put it number dose. So you put it after Pulp Fiction? Yeah. You like this better than Hairspray? I think I do. Yeah. I'd have, well, I might have a hairspray wow. in it, like 2A, 2B. <laughs> That's now. Don't, uh, no, you don't, have to make a choice. Don't fuck with my head, because now, now I. Your I'll, house I'll is on back to it. Your house is on fire. You can only save one copy of a Travolta movie. I'll save my Blu-ray of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> it's between Hairspray and uh, Grease, and Grease, and you'll never be able to buy any others ever again. Grease. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have to. Hairspray fix racism. <laughs> this is true. Whereas Greece did not have, besides Cha Cha Dingagorio, any person of color in it. Not a single black person, not a single Hispanic. And even she, it's just, she's probably just questionable. Italian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that reminds me, um, the the host of the TV show, uh, what's his name? Uh, Vince Fontaine. Yeah, in the, in the TV live version, it was played by uh, A.C. Slater. Oh, Mario Lopez? Yep. Nice. Which... That's really fitting. Yeah, it was it it fits really well. Huge improvement and you know, he has even more of that pedophile vibe Jesus. where he's just going after the high school girls. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Mario Lopez does. I'm saying the character and, oh, okay. and, and he really leans into it. It's a lot creepier in in that full version. Yeah, it's just kind of uh it's not layered on too thick in this. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. They drew the line there. But I, I did appreciate him picking Marty cuz again, I think there's one takeaway from this is that the contrarians love the the actress that played Marty in Greece. Yes. Uh, yeah, haven't seen the sequel. Uh, haven't seen the live version that you were referencing there. It's on Netflix. Oh, really? War- okay, you love this movie so fucking much. I think you owe it Calm to down. yourself. <laughs> you owe it to yourself to watch it. Uh, you know, performed live. The like I said, Julianne Hugh is really good. The guy that plays um, Danny. Danny. I mean, he's all right. He's no Travolta, but I mean, who would be mm-hmm. Travolta? Yeah, it's. I think yeah, we've got some other greats coming up, but this is just this is what defined and what is still parodied about Travolta, almost half of a century later. So, hey, what else have we done? Because I need to figure out where I where I put Greece, Pulp Fiction, Greece, Hairspray, Look Who's Talking to. Phenomenon and Battlefield Earth. Jesus, covered That's some the, ground. Yeah, but I was also, I was going to say the competition is not fierce once you get past Pulp Fiction and Hairspray. No, it's not. <sighs> so Phenom- really- to be fair, though, I can tell you this: Phenomenon deserves more credit than Look Who's Talking to and well, yeah. Battlefield Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but okay, so now it just comes down to which one makes me cringe more: Phenomenon or Grease? Actually, no. What's more memorable? Grease. Grease has the songs, but Phenomenon has that Robert awesome... Robert Duvall's butt. Robert Duvall's butt and Robert Duvall's two Oscar scenes. Yeah. And Travolta breaking the mirror. Yeah. 
It was a goddamn mistake. It was a goddamn mistake. For the time being, since you can't give me like an answer, like a serious answer. Actually, you did give me. Like, I did give you an answer. Uh, well, I don't to know, me, to you, Greece is higher up in my being. <laughs> Hits you harder. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. It's again, I can acknowledge all of its faults and still really enjoy it. I guess I'll say that Greece is better than Phenomenon. Yes, but but I don't like it. <laughs> I'll say it, but damn it, I don't like it. I'm not happy about this. Um, okay. So that was fun. That was, that really was a long time coming. I think that was part of the thing. You and I always kind of wanted to do that movie, but it was finding the right time because right. it's not like the right context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, I'm probably literally going to watch the uh, Born to Hand Jive segment again before <laughs> I go to bed tonight. And dance to it. Um <laughs> One day, I told Julio and anyone that knows me, most likely if you're listening to this, you do know me. Except for if you're that person in New York that downloaded like 22 <laughs> of our episodes last week, fucking hey, God bless. Thank I, you. I hope it's the same person that listens to us through Alexa because mm-hmm. Alexa showed up as like a source of downloads for our, <laughs> for our show. <laughs> Alexa, play shit podcast. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Alexa, what are Alex and Julio up to? <laughs> Alex and Julio are currently in the summer of Travolta. Uh, but I told Julio, and if anyone knows me, that's a big old fat ass. If I ever lose my weight and get to a, a, a svelte physique, I will find an excuse to wear the suit that Travolta wears to the dance-off. Or I'll wear, wear cha-chas. I was, I was going to say, you could wear the Travolta suit, and I'll, I'll be cha-cha dingagorio. Well, we're going, like, you know, according to our, our race. You, you do have that sweet olive tone to your skin <laughs> that she does as well. So... Um, Moving along here to plugs, uh, as always, just get the normals out of the way. Uh, the festive years for providing us our opening and closing tracks, opening uh, last stand, closing summer of '99. Um, our friend Hans Rodgieser from Nacion Combi, the Nacion Combi podcast, which is a podcast in Spanish about Peruvian stuff. You don't have to be Peruvian to listen to it, but you probably should be but a Spanish it doesn't speaker. Hurt. <laughs> um, and also, he did our logo. Uh, and he he can do your logo. You can just contact him uh, at mildemonios at hotmail.com. That's M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S. And he's also on Twitter at mildemonios. And I'll have his contact information on the webpage, as usual. All right. So now, do you have an actual plug, Alex? Maddox? I do. I forgot about it, but I finally finished Breaking Bad, and I said I would mention that on the podcast when I finally finished it. So that people know that now you're you're not going to be spoiled. Yeah. I know we talked about it on our last uh, recording for Look Who's Talking To. Uh, I know I hadn't finished it yet, but yeah. You were, you were, you'd finished the opening of the Ryan, the last... Uh, Where Hank died. Right. Yeah. What's I'd, the name of the director of... Uh, Ryan Johnson? Yeah. Yeah, I did have that. Ryan Johnson episode. That's I had I mean. Gus's death and Hank's death spoiled for me, which was kind of annoying. But again, it's been like 10 years since the show. So it's I your can't. fault. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that shows everything everyone said it was. I don't... I, honestly, I don't know why. It started when I was in college and I didn't have cable and was really just... I hadn't had cable up until this past year. The only reason I have it now is because my dad stays here sometimes and he wants to watch TV and he was mad because I didn't have cable. <laughs> So I just never kind of got around to watching it, but God bless Netflix for having it all on there. Uh, I can't imagine having watched that in real time because some of the cliffhangers are so fucking intense. You can imagine it. That oh, last man. season, that last season, it was a struggle to find the balance between 
just talking about the show because you were so excited, but also trying not to speculate too much mm-hmm. because I personally, I didn't want to come up with a thousand different theories to the point where when we finally got to the end, I would be disappointed because I already run through every possible outcome, yeah. right? I wanted to be surprised. Uh, it ended pretty much at the perfect time. If it had gone, oh God, if it had gone another season longer, it would have felt like they were starting to stretch things out. Right. And um, kind of does like um, Ozark shows that like, the scariest people are still crazy white people. Like that's <laughs> that. Those are still the scariest people out there. Unfortunately, um, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, the way the Skylar character is written, she really got on my nerves after a while. I, I don't know. Do you, I, do I don't you know. Think... Who, I don't know who, how people feel of like the character. Oh, she's stuff. she's pretty divisive. I I never I never turned on her. Uh, not to the extent that that uh, I guess half the internet did. And I felt that the the end of her character arc, you know, by the time you get to the end of the show, it's pretty. I think they did they did well by her. Mm-hmm. You know, she has she she lets Hank see the baby one more time. I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, Walt, Hank, I, oh, I know. Hank, Hank didn't see the baby. <laughs> no, Hank is is done. Yeah, Walt. But, excuse me. But yeah, no, she stands up to him. But then she she has that final conversation with him. Mm-hmm. It's. I think everybody gets to shine. Even Walt Jr., he has that awesome moment where he pulls a knife. He, like, takes his back and gets him in the rear naked choke, and then Walt, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, the one that fucked me the most and got me real bummed was when Mike died. That was the worst. <laughs> but it it was a death fitting of Mike where Walt was like, I didn't want to just shut the fuck up and let me die in peace. <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, and then the finale... Um, it's super intense, so I thought it was really brilliant how they hit you with that last big laugh of when he convinces the, uh, his former business partners that like if they don't do the right thing, oh money, yeah, the hitman and his badger and that other yep. guy, yeah, yep. that that's fucking great. Skinny Pete, Skinny Pete, yeah. Um, and I felt it was good. Jesse makes it on the end, but God, by the end it was like almost overkill <laughs> with all the shit he had to go through. Right, it's like what is left of him. All like, that's left is Brock because they even kill Andrea right in front yeah. of him. It's just like fuck. Jesse Plemons, man, was terrifying. <laughs> but that's cool too that uh Jesse gets to get his retribution on him. No, it's um I think the one thing in the last season that I thought was the best was um Robert Forster. I was about to say yeah, Robert Forster is the guy. Like that the, you hear about for like four or five seasons worth, uh-huh. or excuse me, three or four seasons. And uh, Bob Odenkirk's good. I guess the next question is, do I want to touch uh, Better Call Saul? Is it any good? Uh, I wouldn't watch it as an extension of Breaking Bad. Or maybe you should. I don't know. That, I know Mike's in it, right? Yeah. It, it, so it's, you know, it's a prequel, yeah. obviously. Uh, I I have issues. It bothers me every time it, it does Breaking Bad tie-ins. I like it a lot better just as a story by of itself. this character by itself. Well, him and Mike, right? Because Mike is very much a part of that show. But but from time to time, they'll throw in like little winks about, oh, but remember this character from Breaking Bad? Or remember this thing that happened in Breaking Bad? We're going to reference it. Or we're going to show you how this started. And it's like, I don't need that. Because mm-hmm. they've created a cast of characters, brand new characters that are very interesting. So... I'm happy with those. Yeah. I don't need like all the extra stuff. And unfortunately, uh, the longer the show's gone, the more it's become embedded into the other Breaking Bad stuff, which makes sense because obviously they're building towards a point where it's all going to come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. <laughs> but it's a good show. It's really good. It's not Breaking Bad good, but it's it's good. It's entertaining. Yeah, And it, it definitely gets better. I think that Breaking Bad – 
is good from the beginning. Better Paul, Better Call Saul has a few shaky episodes and then it gets really good. Yeah, I mean, um, point of this podcast aside, of us you know arguing against the consensus, yeah, Breaking Bad's everything everyone said it was. Uh, I'm glad I watched through it, and yeah, it's um, Walt's kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel bad when it was over? Like when, it, when he was his story was over? Like, no, or, no, you were like serves you right. Not that. It's just like that's obviously that's the scenario he created and that's what he wanted. Right. Uh, I did love, though, that he had that like moment of clarity where he finally, because the entire show, he's just been telling Skylar, it's all for family. It's, uh-huh. just like, it's for me. Yeah. I felt li- good. It felt good. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And the the rice, and I had to throw that in earlier just to let you know I finished it, Winkling. <laughs> but uh, how that finally pays off. Yes. Yeah. That's perfect, too. Yeah, it's it's excellent. Um, I could easily see myself just thumbing back through from time to time, watching episodes again and stuff like that. So, so that would be my plug for this week. Uh, watch the trailer for The Last of Us Two. Looks fucking amazing. Oh, I thought you were shaking your head. I was like, oh, disappointing. Oh no, God! I was just like watching it, like fuck. <laughs> and uh, Hideo Kojima has a new game that um, staggered death, strangled death. I don't know. It looks fucking insane, and it's uh, Norman Reedus and Leah Sadu. Like really, like yeah. doing voices, or do they look like? No, it's do- like maps of their body. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it looks quite terrifying. Like the end of the trailer is Leah Sadu eating a bug. And, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Well, do you know who Hideo Kojima is? No. Do you know what Metal Gear Solid is? Yes. He's the creator of Metal Gear Solid, and he had a falling out with the previous company that did that. So it's his first game post Metal Gear Solid World. So. Uh, he was originally making Silent Hills with Norman Reedus, and then the for whatever reason, still debated to this day, the plug got pulled on that project for some reason. So I guess him and um, they listened to our Silent Hill episode, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, let's, let's I, go with something else. I think that's why we did it because it was around that time that that uh, was all going down. I don't know. I'd have to revisit that. But Norman Reedus is Walking Dead, right? Yes, and he also is Boondock Boondock Saints. Saints yes. Oh. Can't win them all. I was about to say he's two strikes. <laughs> uh, but throw it, throw it at us, Julio. What do you got for your plugs this week? Uh, well, two things. Uh, one is, like I mentioned, and you listened on our break, uh, the IMDb Journey podcast. They gave us that promo, and uh, in exchange, they should be playing our own promo, which we finally recorded. We did uh, on one of their episodes, and uh, they're a cool show. Uh, you know, as as it said, like they basically, I think it is a genius idea. Mm-hmm. You just go down the, uh, well, they're not going in order, but they're tackling the IMDb 250 best list, and every every episode they just pick a random number that they yeah, see. Yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah. yeah, and and then they just watch it and and then they talk about it. And then they move on to the next one, but they're just going, you know, back and forth, much like our summer of Travolta. They're not going chronologically or mm-hmm. in order. They're just, you know, going at random. And uh, so, so far, most of the episodes they've done are movies that I've seen. Uh, they did one on Paths of Glory, the Kubrick movie, okay. uh, which I hadn't seen that movie. And I was like, you know what? This is the perfect excuse to do it. And I watched Paths of Glory because it's only 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned out to be pretty good. But so I don't know. If uh, it's not like I'm gonna watch every movie they do a podcast on, sometimes 
with some I'm just happy to listen and let them yeah. t- let me tell you let them tell me you know what it's like because I'm not interested in certain ones but uh, it, it is kind of cool to just be able to fill that gap because usually their movies are worth watching yeah so uh, so that's pretty cool and the guy uh, one of the hosts uh, Daniel he sent me a link to a video that he'd done for his top 26 movies of 2017 and so I watched the video and I was like. At first, I'm getting nervous because I don't recognize any of these movies. But then once it, it, it starts getting higher, I it turns out I watched 19 out of the 26. I was like, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. But then I told him, I was like, you know, Alex doesn't go to the movies as often. So I'll be surprised if he's watched five or more than five. Mm-hmm. So I have the list here. I'm going to go really quickly okay. through it. And you tell me if you've that's seen it. That's what you're writing down. Yeah. So The Salesman. Nope. Land of Mine. Nope. The Red Turtle. Nope. Thor Ragnarok. No. What what's, what's that indignant? I'm, I'm done after the second Avengers movie. I'm out, man. Oh my god, I, we still need to work I know, on this. You know, Civil War and all. Yeah, and... yeah. Uh, betting on zero. No. Tickling giants. Nope. And so far, that was my minus Thor. I was like, oh fuck, this is like. <laughs> uh, okay, now we're getting into just movies that everybody knows. T uh, two train spotting. No, I thought that. That makes me interested in it because I heard not good things about it. Uh, I'm, I'm mixed on it. Uh, Colossal. No, but I want to see it. Uh, the Lego Batman movie. No. Was that you that didn't? I liked it. Okay. And I hate the Lego movies. That's so. a, I knew you didn't like one of those. Yeah. Uh, it. You've seen it because you were talking it, shit about it. It before. is boring. <laughs> uh, Baby Driver. No, because I've heard that movie sounded polarizing as fuck, man. Reed, did you hear me and Reed arguing about it? Yeah, the, yeah, you should watch it. I'll okay. let you borrow it. Uh, the Disaster Artist. Yep, that's the one I think you've seen that I haven't. Uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, Eddie's favorite movie. I've yet to see. <laughs> Get Out. Uh, no, another one I apparently need to see. Good Time. Uh, yes. <laughs> As any listener of this podcast, yeah. knows, Good Time has gotten mentioned more than Travolta. Yes. But- <laughs> Alex's uh, pick of the decade. Uh, the Big Sick. Yep. Really enjoyed that. All right. We're up to four. You just need to get one more. Mm-hmm. Coco. No, no. Uh, Icarus. No. Logan. Was that all last year? Yeah. That's right. Logan had a February release because uh-huh. they didn't. It was R. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, I did see Logan. All right. So, we're at five. Mm-hmm. Wind River. No. Wonder Woman. No. Ladybird. No. Phantom Thread. No. War for Planet of the Apes. That was that high on the list? Yeah. No. Dunkirk. Of course. All right, six. Yes. You've proven me wrong. And then your name. Which one was your name? It's an animation, Japanese animation. I haven't seen it. I own it because Kelly got it for Christmas. Still mm-hmm. haven't seen it. It's supposed to be really good. No. All right, six out of 26, Alex. That's not obviously bad. not as good as mine, but yeah. at least better than I expected. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot cooler if you're watching the video and you actually see clips from the movie. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, so that's that. Listen to the MTV Journey podcast. They're cool. And then our friends from Beyond the Box set issued a sort of challenge. They did an episode on The, the Boy Next Door, mm-hmm. a terrible Jennifer Lopez movie. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and they were talking about our podcast, and one of them was like, well, have they done this movie? And uh, and the other co-host said, no, but they should, because it's really low. And I, I checked the Rotten Tomatoes. It's like in the teens, I think. Oh. And it is. I've seen it. 
I screened it with our friend Eddie, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, it's ridiculously bad. So it's recent? Uh, a couple of years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez, um, she, her neighbor, uh, she, his grandson moves in, and her grandson is, he's not quite a minor. I think he's like 18, but he's flunked school a couple of years, so he's still going to school. But she doesn't know this when she hooks up with him. Mm-hmm. And then she's a teacher. And then the next day or next week, she goes to work and there's a new student and it's this guy. And he's obsessed with her. And she's just like, no, this was a mistake. And hijinks ensue. It's like a comedy? It's a thriller. Oh, a thriller. Okay. It's one of those. One of those where Jennifer Lopez fights evil men. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. She's she's had a few of those. There's a movie, uh, Enough, Mm -hmm. where she... The Cell. This, well. <laughs> Anaconda. She fights evil snakes. She does. She fights evil, period. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, we'll we'll put it on the docket. Mm. Um, we'll have to find a good movie to sandwich in between that and Buffy. Yeah, a non-Travolta movie. I think as much as we've been sucking off Travolta for some of these, towards the end of it, I'm just going to be like, I'm good for a while. <laughs> uh, okay, but that's going to wrap it up here at Greece. Uh, next is Face Off. Face off. Hell yes. So bringing Nicolas Cage to the podcast, baby. Um, it's just too much. It is. We're going to overload. Uh, but that's going to do it for this bonus episode of The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. And we will catch you next time as the summer of Travolta rolls on. Get in the car, I'll grab the keys. Let's go make this summer one that's full of memories. You won't regret it. Know a place outside of town I think you'll really love it At night when no one is around We'll drive into the sunset Promise me you won't forget That summer of He's post-stroke curly oh uh, I'm not proud of that one <laughs> And then, of course, he'll come out with his Pulp Fiction 2 next year. He'll be, uh, I don't even know what he's doing lately. I I swear, the last couple Travolta movies I've seen. stuff. Oh, um, I watched this, uh, he's in a movie with Robert De Niro, like a recent one. Okay. Uh, terrible, terrible movie. But it's just basically a, a, a showdown between De Niro and Travolta in the woods. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Not good. And then... Uh, he has that movie from a few years ago, uh, something about Paris. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. It's him and the guy from Matchpoint. He was in Taking a Pelham 123 with Denzel. Okay, that feels like a decent release. Though. I didn't watch it, but at least that seemed like a, like a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was even longer ago, dude. It's... Yeah, I was still working at the <laughs> theater. Is. Hey, guys. Do you have a screenplay you need feedback on? Well, you are in luck. I, Julio, the half of the contrarians that speaks with an accent, I'm doing official screenplay coverage now. And if you're a listener of the show, you'll get a discount. Just email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why. Turnaround is about two weeks and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show. Although it'll also be less funny. For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website wearethecontrarians.com and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link. Your voice is beautiful.